G'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I have a huge announcement to make. Now as you all know, I've been working on my brand new book called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And I am super pumped to announce that it is now live on my website. It is live on Amazon. So please jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and grab a copy today. All proceeds from the sale of this book goes to charity. So remember to jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and get your hands on one today. Now back into the show. Nothing that's worth having comes easy, right? right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if we are motivated enough to really change our future, then we got to make the sacrifice, you know, and, and a lot of people, oh, we want instant, instant results and instant gratification. And that's not the case here, right? Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to ReedGoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today in the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with another cracking expat who's making waves here in the United States. Jens Nielsen is originally from Denmark. He immigrated to the United States way back in 1996. Over the years, Jens has developed a career in IT, but once here in the United States, he found a passion for real estate, which is very similar to my story. Jens has been investing in real estate for the past three years, and in that time, he has built a personal portfolio of over 82 units and has passively invested in 12 multifamily and mobile home park syndications. Jens has a passion for building wealth for his family and investors, raising money for syndications, and coaching new investors about this opportunity. Jens, uh, really pumped and excited to have you on the show. I'm going to, st- I'm going to shut up now, but, but welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing well. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, visit with you today. It's really great to talk to another expat who has found, you know, made the U.S. It's his homeland. So that's, that's really awesome. I'm super excited about being on. 
Mate, my pleasure. I've always loved chatting with other expats. Uh, we were just talking a little bit in the green room about where you are originally from. And we will get into that uh, in a little bit because you do have an accent. But, but before we do, I always ask all my guests on this show, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, so it wasn't a dollar because it was actually Danish kroners back then, right? (laughs) It's still Danish kroner, right? It still is. Yeah, they did not convert to the euro. So, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, the first job was actually kind of helping out. I grew up in a countryside, did not grow up on a farm myself, but there were a lot of farms and, you know, dairy farms around. So I actually was helping out on the farms, you know, tending to the animals, working in you know, various jobs there after school. So that was just kind of a cool way to earn a little pocket money, hang out with my friends and just kind of be outside, you know, working my hands. So that was kind of the first, and I was probably 12, 13 back then, you know, it's a different world. You decided to ride your bike up there, your bicycle up there, you know, work for a couple of hours and come home and, uh, cash in hand. I, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. So that was just, that was really awesome. I enjoyed that a lot. And so you grew up in, in, in Denmark. Whereabouts? I've been to Copenhagen uh, 10 years ago. Uh, whereabouts in, in, in Denmark did you Yeah, so uh, kind of in the southwestern part, more towards the German border, just a little north of the German border, um, rural, basically. You know, I didn't, didn't go to the big city until I was in my late teens. Uh, I did live in Copenhagen a while before I, before I left, but that was probably, what, 1992, 93, that time frame I was living there, so... Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, fill, fill in the gap. So you're, you're working as a kid on the dairy farms. You, you, I mentioned in the introduction, you're in IT. Um, you moved over to the United States here in 1996. But, but what, what was that journey um, into the United States, going through college? What did you study? And, and ultimately your journey um, here to the US soil? Yeah, it was kind of a, well, I guess we all have interesting stories, right? I was actually working in Copenhagen for, um, I was in telecommunication then, you know, my early 20s. And I got this call from a a vendor we had from London, actually. So it's a circuitous route. Um, he's like, yeah, we, um, we uh, have some, a big contract over here in, 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 in London. We need somebody to help us, you know, with this installation and stuff like that. So I was like, do you want And he's like, do you want to work for me in London? It's like, yeah, what can possibly go wrong? So, so <laughs> 23 year old, I moved to London, England. And, uh, and that was a bit of a, I came from, you know, a city of a million to, eight, nine million, whatever it is in London. And a new language and well, I spoke English, but it wasn't very good. So I had to learn that and everything else. So that was a big, that was a culture shock for sure to, to go there. But I really had a lot of fun there for sure. You know, and, uh, and, uh, and then um, the same company was actually an American company. And then a couple of years later, they, they say, well, we need, we have more work in the US and actually in Southeast Asia and other places. Do you want to transfer to the US? I said, sure, let's do that. And the interesting thing was I actually did not have a college degree then. I had more of a vocational degree uh, in Denmark. And they're more common there than they are here. So when I came here, I actually ended up going to school too. I went to, you know, got my undergrad and my master's degree in University of Maryland um, in computer system management and IT, basically. So, you know, I, I subscribed to this idea of... Um, get a good education, get a good job and save in your 401k and then maybe one day you can retire. Right? So that was kind of the, the whole, the entry point to it all. That, that's interesting that you came, uh, talk a little bit maybe about the vocational training um, in Denmark versus maybe here in the United States where everyone's got to go to university. So 
when you went back to uni, did you have an advantage because you'd been in the workforce in IT already um, grinding and, and understanding more uh, the commercial aspect of it? Did that make you a better student uh, when, you, when you did go back to school? That's a good question. Um, so, so just back to the vocational. So, you know, Denmark, they have, it's really a four-year program, you know, and you can learn to be an electrician, a plumber, a carpenter, whatever those trades are that are highly valued, you know, and, and it's really just another education. So I did that. And then when I, when I decided to go to college here, I had found what my, I don't know, passion. I mean, I have a passion for IT. I like technology. So I knew already that that was really something I enjoyed doing. Um, so it makes sense. And I was really committed and dedicated to get this done as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. Right. So not. And, and how old were you when you went back to school? Uh, 26, 27, something like that. So you, know? you would have been a, you would have been a senior student, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but it was, this was more of a program for adult learners. So that, Oh, got it. I was got it. evenings and, and weekend classes and some online stuff. So it helped, you know, and whilst out. working full time, right? Yes. <laughs> and actually racing my bike. That's my other passion is bicycling. So I was bicycle racing too at the same time. So. It's funny. Uh, Europeans love their cycling. I'm, I'm originally from Holland. The Dutch love it. The Danish love it. The Swedes love it. The French love it. The Italians. Uh, it's, it's, in, it's in your blood. I don't know what it is about the, the, the Europeans. They just love to ride bikes. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> it would have been a big culture shock coming to the United States back in 96. Oh, God. Where, where cycling wouldn't have been a thing compared to what it is today, right? Mountain biking was just taking off, actually, and that's kind of what I got into. So, you know, there was... There was a scene of mountain biking that I kind of got involved in and I enjoyed that a lot. And that's, that's actually been kind of my, because I moved throughout the country and I was looking for a place that had good access to trails and stuff like that. So, so. You're, you're, you're more into mountain biking and off-roading rather than uh, uh, street racing sort of, you know. Yeah, it's a mix. I've done it all pretty much, you know, for the last many years. So. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've ever been to the, you ever visited the Tour de France? I have not been to that one. Uh, I have raced, I have ridden my bike in some of the same mountains there, but not actually okay. visited the race. So. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, I remember being many, many years ago, back in 2000, probably I think it was eight or no, no, nine, I was at the start of the Tour de France in Monaco. Oh, wow. Uh, in south of France. And it was, it was bigger than Ben Hur. Like, it was just crazy. <laughs> Everyone's all the fans. And, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's really exciting. It's a very, it's really, it's uh, if anyone is in Europe in the summer, I'd highly recommend it. Um, but mate, let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of today's show, which is what we got you on here. Is is really your journey into real estate investing whilst working full time? So talk to me in the introduction. I said you've only been investing for three years, but in that three years, you've you've got eighty two units. You've been investing in syndication. Maybe before we we get into the how you did it, what was the why uh, to to get involved in real estate investing in the first place? You know, I've been, as I mentioned, in IT for 20-some years, and it's, it's been a good career, you know, good pay and everything else. But I also realized if I stop working tomorrow, I stop making any money, right? Right. Obviously, saving in, you know, retirements and everything else. But that's not, that doesn't help me until I get a little bit older than I am. So, it's like, there's just something missing. There's something like uh, control of my own destiny, kind of lack, lack of that. So, um I decided, so I was like, you know, kicked around all these different ideas and never, nothing really took. And then I started, you know, just researching real estate, listening to some, you know, podcasts and audio books and read some books. I was like, man, this makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's tangible asset, you know, you can go and you can see it, you can feel it and you're not at 
as much of a whim to the general general sentiment or the market for stocks and bonds and stuff like that, you know. So, and and I'm not really, you know, I, I tend to take quick decisions once I've made up my mind, like when I moved to the UK very quickly and stuff like that. So, so I, you know, I started studying it and got connected with some uh, investors I know in my local town and they're like, you know, this is how you look at the numbers. This is how you do it. And then you should call up this guy. And most of my properties, my personal portfolio is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he's like, you should call up this guy. He's a broker. He'll help you out. And so I got the connection and, you know, we found some deals that weren't too expensive. And I felt like, well, you know, what can possibly go wrong? Right? So, <laughs> and, uh, we just jumped into it, you know, bought a couple of smaller properties and, uh, and, you know, for my personal portfolio. And then I also like, I really want to move out of the stock market in my, in my IRAs and stuff like that. And really started investing in syndication through that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And so Albuquerque, New Mexico, is that where you live right now? Or is that just your, your investing market? No, I'm in uh, Southwestern Colorado in a small town called Durango. So it's, you know, Everybody thinks Denver when they hear about Colorado, but I'm like six and a half hours by car away from Denver. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. interesting. We actually just invested in a in a new hemp deal out of um, Sun Sun Valley, uh, I think it's called. Uh, so a little bit off topic, but it's uh, it's out in the in Colorado south, I think southwest of Denver. So um, okay. if you're out there checking out on the investment, we'll have to have to you know shoot your line. But but back to the you know. The, the mindset of changing, you know, going from a W2, did you feel unfulfilled in your, in your job? Like, is, is that why you went and tried to scratch that itch of, you know, you know, hope ultimately breaking out of your day job? Yeah. I mean, I really didn't see any exit path beyond, you know, working for another 20 years. Right. And I was like, what's, you know, what can I do that can really, that can, that can change that trajectory. Right. And, uh, and, yeah, so this is a mindset shift around chart your own future. Don't let somebody else, don't work on somebody else's agenda, you know. And so, so that was just, hey, where can I take control and how can I take control, you know. And that was, I felt like this was, and not just getting another job, right. It's easy to go out there, oh, I want to be an independent contractor. Well, that's just another job. And once you start working, stop working there, the money goes away, right. So that's... And, and, and did you have a spe specific um, number in mind that you want to try and replace your income in order to go to become financially free with, with your investing? Yeah. You know, I kind of know, uh, you know, me and, I'm, me and my wife, you know, we, we know what our monthly expenditures are. So mm -hmm. that's kind of our freedom number. And if we can reach that from passive investing, then not necessarily need to quit my job, but at least I know I have the flexibility, right? Right. And, uh, right. and that was right. kind of the initial, like, oh, if I can just get to that, then I feel, you know, I feel much, I don't know, uh, have some, you know, safety or whatever you want to call it, right, in, in that. Yeah, it's safe, a safety net for the future. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I can imagine, you know, like, like myself, going through that turmoil of how do you balance both things, right? Your day job, plus trying to look for these deals, plus trying to be educated. And, and you've done it in three short years, which is pretty incredible. So how do you manage your time? Because a lot of people struggle with that aspect. And, and I guess to add to that, a lot of people, particularly who listen to the show or, or many other podcasts out there that want to break free, they don't necessarily understand that 
for a period of time, it will probably entail two jobs because you've got to educate yourself, right? You've got to spend your nights and your weekends out there looking for deals and, and, and uncovering. So um, what, do you, what, what sort of message do you have for those types of people? And then what was your sort of story and, and you know, if there was a struggle balancing the two? Yeah, I mean, nothing that's worth having comes easy, right? right. <laughs> I love it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and if we are motivated enough to really change our future, then we got to make the sacrifice, you know. And, and a lot of people, we want instant instant results and instant gratification, and that's not the case here, right? So it's so really what I did, right? I started, I just started saying, okay, where can I carve out some time, right? You know, doing this right on my lunch break, right? Uh, that's so... So just taking those, those, those times you have, you know, weekends, I have every other Friday off work. So I use that and just basically be very focused. I don't go home and turn on the TV and, and zone out, right? I have some dinner and then, you know, another couple of hours of studying real estate or reaching out to, to brokers or, or investors or whatever it is, just being super organized around it and be, and set your goals. Like another big thing is plan your week plan your day and see what are you trying to achieve this this week and then really work on those those things you know because if if you don't live intentionally life just happens to you right and, uh, right right i think yeah you, you completely living intentionally is really important specifically around time management if you do have a full-time job um so is there any tips or tricks that you do personally that help you stay motivated after a huge long day of work that you don't just sit on the couch and <laughs> veg out and you know turn on turn on netflix yeah i mean staying you know eating healthy staying fit you know i still i still ride my bike you know i try to just exercise you know get get your body to move and, and you know, stay fit that way um no i think i mean I do, you know, sometimes I feel a little drained when I get home, but usually just hang out my wife a bit, maybe eat something, then I tend to feel better and I can, you know, kick out another couple of hours, you know. <laughs> when, you Does know, ever give you any grief about, you know, getting back into the grind after um, you've come home from the grind? She's super supportive of the whole thing because she realizes the benefit too. But, you know, right. anything, something's got to give, right? And I try to be conscious about making sure I don't neglect her as well. So. <laughs> <Exactly>. it's, <laughs> so. it's coming down to balancing those priorities yeah. in life versus your goals right i talk a little bit on this show about the differences between what a priority is and what a goal is and a priority is you know loved ones um keeping fit keeping healthy um you know making sure that you're uh you know maybe you're into spiritually or meditation or anything like that there's a kind of the priorities that sort of the, the, the long-term things that keep you on your track towards your goals. Because if you don't have those things, the rails that you, you, you go through life in can get a bit rusty. So, um, and then on the other, the other side of the coin, you have your goals, right? And the goals are these, you know, financial freedom and X amount of units and, you know, living with your, your freedom number, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's trying to balance both of them. So do you have any um, other you know, conundrums that you have faced in your journey along towards financial freedom that has really stood out in terms of trying to juggle both of it from a time aspect or from a, um, you know, priorities, like making sure you've got your priorities straight and versus achieving your goals. <clears throat> you know, just what do you spend your time on, right? What's important to you? You know, fitness has always been hugely important to me, but it has to give, right? I can't spend quite as much time as I used to do riding my, riding my bike, for example. You know, going out with my friends and, and hang out with them, you know, I try to be more intentional around that and said, okay, if I go and meet with some people, is there an opportunity to, to, you know, connect and talk about real estate, right? Because then it's like, you know, 
that's helpful too, right? And then kind of making sure your peer group appreciate what you're doing, right? And stuff like that. So two birds with one stone. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to say everything has a, you know, a hidden agenda or something like that, but it's, it's, it's useful. And I think, you know, really we gotta, we gotta be super, <sighs> we gotta think about what and who and how do we spend our time? Right. And, and, uh, and I think that's going back to the setting goals and, and, and being deliberate about that. That's really something that I've gotten better at, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I was struggling through that, um, you know, the, 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 the double grind, I used to call it like you, you, you're doing your full-time job. You're trying to look for deals. You're trying to find capital for your deals. And it's just like sort of, I call it like the spinning plate analogy. If you think <laughs> like, long sticks with spinning plates you know those those are uh, uh, not clowns but people in the circus you yeah sure <laughs> and you've got you know like five different plates spinning it just all seems to be you know very precarious you know <laughs> up there and it's it's sometimes those there's there's little tools and tricks that i used to do was like really be um time blocking which was like okay i'm coming you know it's after work you know um back when i was working full-time and i'd say okay i've got you know, an hour with, with, with the wife or your girlfriend or the kids or whatever you got and then, or two, whatever it is. And then, you know, I want two hours of, you know, turn the phone off, turn, you know, Instagram off, turn Facebook off. And, and you're being very intentional about um, that two hours and say, I've only got two hours, you know, two hours in the morning or two hours in the afternoon, morning, you have two hours in the evening um, or whatever it is, but making sure you're being intentional and time block that and get all the distractions out of your way and, and be intentional with telling other people around you don't, you know, dad or, you know, you know, your boyfriend or whatever, you know, girlfriend um, or family members, like I have to do this in order to get us to this next step in our life. And as I said, I think your intentionality is really important, but some stuff has to give, right. I, I, I work out, I work out, try to work out a lot, but even now when I'm in my full-time business, it's, you sort of been pulled in 27 different directions trying to be focused on those priorities again, like making sure you're healthy, making sure you, you, you spend time with the family, make sure that you, you spend time with loved ones and, you know, make sure if you, you're into meditation or spirituality or anything like that, you, you, you're making time for that in order to keep, keep on track towards your goals. Yeah. Um, do, do you have any comments in and around that sort of stuff? No, I think also, you know, the idea of, of getting help, you know, we are entrepreneurs, so like control freaks. We want to do everything ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of like, okay, what's value add task that I'm doing here versus something I should have somebody else do. Right. So get a view. That's interesting. Or, the, 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 <laughs> do, do you, have you, you know, you, you hit, you hit a, you struck a chord there because we're all in our own businesses, right? We're, we're, you know, we all start out being entrepreneurs as, you know, Reed Goosen's business or Jens Nielsen business. Like yeah. you, have you farmed out anything, um, any medial tasks in your path towards financial freedom in terms of juggling, you know, the, the day to day in your life? Yeah. I mean, I was a guy who would do everything myself and I'm still, I'm still working down that path, but you know, I would do my own tax returns and I would do all my own accounting and all that stuff. Right. Because I didn't really make that, you know, this is like 15 or $20 an hour work versus a thousand dollar an hour work finding a right. deal. Right. So that really, so, so, you know, I started, I started outsourcing, uh, getting other people to do some of that stuff. Right. And, and so that's really, I just think you need to, you know, kind of think about where you, where's your time best spent, you know, and um, I'm reading this book right now, the E-Myth by, uh, yep. Michael Gerber, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. that that thing about working on your business versus in your business is so yeah. rings true. The business is not for you. The business is for your customers. And then try to, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, I mean, I just love all the stuff I'm learning and growing. And so, so, that's, 
So, so are you? So you've you've outsourced a couple of your medial tasks. Um, I, I always talk about it in uh, different, you know, back to time blocking, looking at your your calendar and every week and okay. And I, I I use three different colors. I use black, blue, and red. So black is the this like podcasting and you know thinking about the next book and trying to find that next deal or whatever. Blue might be the underwriting, right? Um, uh, you know, underwriting day to day tasks that you have to do, and then red's all the administration stuff. And and as the leader in your business, I, I my personal belief is that you need to be at least sixty to seventy percent in the black, with a maybe twenty to thirty percent in the blue. And no time in the red. You don't need it because it's not worth. As you just said, you can hire that out for fifteen bucks an hour. Where you you know you go and finding another deal, it could could be a thousand bucks an hour. It's just so much better. And when you start looking at your calendar and and circling things that you do every week, what's red, what's blue, what's black, you you can really start to visualize what is not important and things that you can and tasks that you can you know you know carve off to someone else yeah um so it's, it's very interesting to talk i love this topic because it's particularly where you are right now in your business you're realizing that that need right otherwise you're yeah. going to not be effective those, yeah. those spinning plates are going to fall down and crash <laughs> right. uh -huh. yeah so that's i love that analogy uh so do you do you kind of like track every you know every hour every 50 minutes of your work to figure out making sure that it's look it's personally for me it's um i, I I'm, I'm always working on it. it's always there's no there's no silver bullet it's it's a it's a learned task and through this podcast through developing my own business um and, and you know i'm very much like yourself i'm i i'm a engineer black and white brain you know um, not necessarily understanding the 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 art the, sorry, the art of building a business and building systems. So I've I've had to go out and learn. Um, so to back to your question on me, and, and this is not about me, but this is about you. <laughs> uh, is yes, uh, definitely try and not 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 to the hour, but I try and I'm, I'm trying to do this new task called time blocking, which is you set like not not on your phone, but you set like an egg timer for like an hour. And you turn everything else off and you do the black stuff, you know, the, the stuff that's, that's really going to move the needle, whether it's, under, whether it's underwriting a deal or cold calling for whatever it might be or driving for dollars or in my business, it's about content creation right now. So, um, and, then, and, then, and, then have, and then after that hour, you have, you're, allowed, you're allowed 10 minutes break. And uh, I just interviewed someone, uh, Steve Griffith, uh, a couple of podcasts before, and he was talking about time cleansing. And you know, he, he was talking about this, this time blocking exercise. And he says, when you start, you may get three hours in the day where you sit down to do that, right? Um, but you soon realize how, how hard it is to, to block everything out for an hour and because your mind's constantly running to try and like reset um, the, your, your expectations. But what I have noticed is when I have now gone full time in my business for a couple of years when I was sort of still doing the, the plate spinning in the air, like yourself, it's, you become very intentional with the little time you do have. Um, so being, you know, coming home for those two hours, like I've got two hours, like this is all I've got today. I better make it, you know, you, you're sort of naturally doing the time cleanse and the time blocking. So it sounds like you're already doing it, but just when you get all that time freedom that comes with quitting your day job and you get 40 hours back in your week, <laughs> you have to be more intentional. Otherwise you do sometimes slip into this, not procrastination, but distraction. Yeah. And uh, one of the big things for me, like I, I've got a to-do list, a to-build list, which is my, my, my black stuff, all the stuff I want to build this year, and then to stop list. And one of the big things on my to stop list is email. I think email is the worst bloody thing in the world. <laughs> and, uh, so one of my goals for 2019 is to try and hire someone who can maybe filter my emails for me and only give me the 
the real stuff that's you know needs my attention you now we're yeah. going to get involved in this but <laughs> oh, we, we digress a little bit about you but um but mate Tell me a little bit about how you started building your, your, your 82 unit portfolio in three years and what type of houses or, or investments were you, were you buying in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Yeah, so basically it was just you know, multifamily. I decided right, right away to multifamily the way to go, right? That you can scale, you can get man, you know, and, and you don't competing with single family uh, owners and sellers and buyers and stuff like that. So I went, <clears throat> you know, I got the introduction through my friend here in Durango and went and connected with the broker and, you know, he quickly identified a few deals, smaller properties, a couple of fourplexes, you know, and uh, they weren't too expensive, you know, what, $30,000, $40,000 a door, you know, kind of just class C workforce. And I was like, hey, let me start there. Got a couple of those. Um, how, many, how many units were they, sorry? Four uh, fourplexes. So two fourplexes, four yeah. Yep. Got two of those. And then um, shortly thereafter, we ran across this 11 unit uh, property that was seller financed. Um, mm. And that was actually an interesting deal because it needed a lot of work and we were able to, to get um, kind of a, long, um, a term on the seller financing that in one year, we didn't, have to, we didn't have to do any, we didn't have to pay anything on the loan for a year. So we kind of just put the cash flow back into the property to kind of fix it up and uh, get it going. So, you know, we had, um, we had 19 doors in a matter of six months or something like that. So. Wow. <laughs> You know. so tell me a little bit about that 11 unit and the seller carry back finance because everyone's like, oh, seller carry back, seller carry back. They love that sort of stuff. And it's really good, but you also can, if you're not aware, you could potentially overpay, right? Because the seller is, well, um, I can't get it on the, the open market. I can't sell in the open market, but here's someone who's willing to give me X amount of dollars for it. Yeah. So were you trying to be disciplined in the way in which you approach that? Uh, 11 unit and made sure you valued it on the NOI, not necessarily this, this sort of fictitious future NOI. Or was oh it yeah. No, I was, I was, we were aware of the, and the price was pretty reasonable. Um, so we were aware of, of, of that cost. We were, I, I think he would have had a hard time selling on the open market just because of it had, it needed some work, you know? Got it. So, right. so we were able to come in with a lower down payment, you know, we kept some equity back for the, for the improvements. And then we were able to, you know, repurpose the cash flow in the first year, year and a half to kind of re, re, redo some of those units. So the deal worked out for everybody involved, you know, so, so interesting. It, yeah. That's awesome. And then what sort of, what sort of terms did you negotiate with the seller? So it's 30 year amortization. I think it was a seven or 10 year term on it. You know, mm-hmm. with, uh, it was 5% interest. So, you know, flat. Yeah. So no, 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 no principal. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, principal and interest. After the okay. first year, we started. So the first year we didn't pay any, and then after the first year, we started paying principal and interest on. Hmm. So. Nice. So it's, it's you had a, a year of essentially free money, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. re- that, that's that's better than I'd have to do the math. But you know, interest only. You know, if you got interest only for three years versus a year of I think a year off of no interest would be a lot. Probably worth more to eleven unit than uh, three years of interest only. But yeah. Um, yeah. In my head, I'm trying to do the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's awesome. And so how did you find that deal? You know, like that's, that's something that doesn't just fall into your lap or, or did it? Uh, there was just through my uh, broker had, uh, I was kind of like, hey, you know, I got those couple of four plexes. I said, what else do you have, right? And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, well, this man fit the bill. You know, I think he had just gotten uh, another broker had said, you know, this is, this is for sale or whatever. And, and people had just passed on it, I think, because they felt 
I don't know why, but you know, it was just there and I kind of acted quickly and we were able to come to terms on it. So uh, great. That's yeah. awesome. So, and, and tell me a little bit about the management of, of an 11 unit. Cause I, you know, I, I'm in the space of plus a hundred where I can afford to have an onsite manager and a third, professional third party. So how do you go around? Do you do all the management yourself? Um, or do you have someone on site who you subsidize their rent in order to sort of keep a bit of an eye, collect rent and, uh, and keep an eye on the property? Well, so, I mean, I, I, and I do appreciate the larger properties and how that's the way to go for sure. And hopefully we'll Efficient. get into that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I have a management company in okay. Albuquerque that takes care of it and they manage all my properties there, you know, so. And you, and you have 82 doors in Albuquerque, right? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, actually nine of them are locally. So we have, um, you know, 73 down there. Um, uh, so basically, yeah, they're all managed by the same. And some of these later deals we got into, so after 11 units, I ended up buying a 38 unit apartment building with, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have cash to buy that by myself. So we actually ended up doing like a joint venture between actually my broker who had gotten me the other deals, him and a couple of friends I have here. So we kind of, you know, joint ventured and bought this 38 unit, which is pretty a heavy value add deal. Um, so that's one we're working our way through right now. And that was kind of like, it was interesting to grow from like, Hey, it's my portfolio to let me, let me get some other people involved in it and let's, you know, do something that everybody's best interest in mind, you know, and, and grow that way. So that's kind of connection. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's a natural way of growing. Right. But I think it's also understanding that you see an opportunity 38 units. It's not a small you know, for anyone you're getting started, but trying to just make it happen with, or make the deal work. You know, you didn't have the, you didn't have the money, but bringing on partners and JVing in order to get the deal, you take a lesser slice of the overall deal, but you get an, it's another run on the board, and it, it keeps you going towards your your, your goal. So, it's well done. And and how did that conversation go down with with the JV? It, was it did the broker present it to you? Like, oh, I don't have the money. You know, like, do you want a partner, or was it you were trying to rack your brain to to determine how you get this over the line? Well. So I actually, I found that, um, I found that deal actually it was little on LoopNet for, I think two months, I think it was 1.5 or $1.6 million. So it's may not sound like a lot, but it, you it's, know, it's a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. <laughs> and, um, but it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't worth that. Um, so I went to him, to my broker and said, Hey, this looks interesting. Is that something you would like to, because we had had the conversation. Actually, I said, I want to go bigger. I don't want to buy these smaller properties anymore. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'll, I mean, he's a serial entrepreneur. He owns a lot of stuff and he just likes investing and he likes, I think, partnering with new people. So I was like, hey, is this something that would work? And he's like, you know, we looked at it and it made, you know, it made sense. We ended up getting it for 1.2, 1.25 or something. I think it was. The, okay. And so then got like, I, I got about 400K off the original asking price. Something like that. 350 yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and in, in the meanwhile, I had had a conversation with friends and said, hey, you know, I'm investing in apartment buildings. I want to go bigger. If I find something that works, will you be interested in, in investing with me? You know, that conversation. And I just actually reached out to a couple of people when this deal was saying it was going to happen. And they were, yeah, for sure. We're, we, want to, we want to be in on it. You know, they saw the value of it themselves. So. Awesome. And then these were, these were friends that you were having, starting to have conversations with already. Like yeah. they had seen you build your from four plexes to 11 plex to now there's 38. So they could see the traction happening, right? That's for sure. Yeah. You know, I've never been shy about talking about what I'm trying to do, you know, and, <laughs> and that's really, you know, cause my longer term and I've gotten into is, 
is to raise money for bigger deals and, you know, do syndications and everything else. I knew that from like kind of early on. So I've had those conversations, you know, say this is what I'm doing and, you know, started creating my newsletter and all these things kind of stay in front of people early on, you know, so once the deal is there, I, I'm not just, Hey, look at me. I, do you want to invest? And like, what are you talking about now? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an education. It's, a, it's yeah. a process of education. And I think I also want to quickly touch on, you know, just to highlight to the to listeners out there that how you had performed with the broker who was giving you the deals, which made that conversation of JVing a lot easier because you had done, how many deals had you done with that broker before you started discussing the potential of JVing on a 38 unit? Uh, three. So yeah, so you, you had some runs on the board, right? You, 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 you were, you're a closer. And I think that is a real important, regardless of the size of deals you're doing, um, you can snowball from four to 11 to 38 to 150 pretty quickly by just doing deals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that it's a very good example, your story of how it can, you can ratchet it up pretty quickly. So, so well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about the capital raising uh, side of it and, and, and back to the business of, so you, have you, did, have you developed now doing all these deals are more of a preference to raising capital rather than being an operator? Because you just mentioned you want to get into syndications more. Yeah, so, and this is coming back to the time management. I've found it difficult to, to really spend enough time reaching out to brokers because that's also, you know, that's doing my work hours. So that creates a challenge right there. So I feel like just bringing into new markets and spending the time to really get to know the market than the brokers and the players and everything else is something that I haven't really had quite enough time to put enough effort into. So I was like, then I have some other, you know, friends and uh, or people I know that had kind of gone into, you know, same situation, W2 job, but instead of going out and doing their own deals, they would partner with proven syndicators and help them raise money for their deals. Right. You know, I'm, and that's, I'm sure, is, you know, path you've taken too and, and stuff like that. And it just makes a lot of sense because I can leverage, I can leverage my network of people that talk to real estate, uh, to real, to, about real estate investing for, you know, the last three years, right? And then suddenly I can say, well, I now have, I now is working with these people in Atlanta to raise money for the 212 unit deal, you know. And this kind of like, this is why I like this idea. Here are the, here are the people. So they, you know, I make that connection to them. And I really enjoy going to, you know, have coffee with people and talk about it because I'm passionate about it. And it's, it's just an exciting thing. And every, you know, most people understand the value of real estate, but they, they are not, they're just too busy to, they can't figure out how to go and buy their own property, right? They don't want to, how do I deal with the tenants and the toilets and the termites and that? So, and so here I'm presenting an opportunity that they, they otherwise wouldn't have. Because, you know, these are, you know, private placements that you can't go and find anywhere unless you have a connection, right? So. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's, it's, it's a great snapshot in your journey and, and how you're evolving, I think, as, as a business owner, as an investor, uh, understanding what's your best, where's your best time spent and, and bit, bit back to that time management we spoke about earlier and um, block time blocking, but that also snowballs up into what you're talking about now where you're trying to manage, okay, what's the most effective use of my time? Maybe it's introducing the folks uh, to syndications that they may not have access to. So you're, you're, you're the conduit, right? And back to your IT. <laughs> <laughs> you're the conduit. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's awesome, man. I, I, so tell me what, what is, I guess, I don't love this question, but it's a question I, I, I sometimes ask because 
you know, goals change all the time. But what is what's 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 the what's the next five years got in store for for, for Jens Nielsen? <laughs> um, well, I got to be careful with my employer list that is. But no, I mean, <laughs> I do want to, <laughs> I do want to, you know, get out of my W two job in the next, you know, two or three years, something like that. And my goals are really, you know, continue to raise money for these syndications, get developed. Well, so that's, I guess, that's more the tactical. I mean, the 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 overarching goals are really to to be able to replace a significant amount of my income so I can free up and really start focusing on real estate full time, you know, and, 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 and generate, create my own, find my own deals and structure my own deals and be the KPs on those. And, um, and then I'm really passionate about coaching. I actually do have some coaching students and I'm trying to, you know, give back because I, I feel like I'm a, like, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly structured guy and I can kind of see the steps that need to be taken in order to get to somewhere. And I think I can help people do that, right? So that's been another, uh, so, you know, doing that on the side too and stuff like that. So um, That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. Well, mate, um, I do want to be conscious of your time, uh, but before we let you go, uh, we, uh, we always, I always ask my guests to get it, to give me their top five investing tips. Ready to get into it? Sure. Mate, what is the number one practice or habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Basically, a morning routine of setting, you know, setting the stage for the day, look at your goals and be intentional about or taking action towards your goals every day. Love it. Love it. And, and I think that's, that's been the theme of today's you know, conversation, being intentional uh, with your time and, 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 and that, you know, making sure that your mindset's on, on the right path towards that intentionality. Um, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? I think the, uh, my partner down in Albuquerque, um, just because he's, he's an older gentleman and he just took me under his wing and he's, you know, he shares everything that's going on. So, I mean, his, you know, he was a great, great mentor. Awesome. Awesome. What's his name? If you, uh, if you don't want Chuck, Chuck Sheldon. Chuck, Chuck Sheldon. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, being that you're in IT, uh, what is the most influential tool, whether it be software or hardware, uh, in your real estate business that you use today? So I've, I've struggled to find a good CRM because, I don't know, they all like seem like so complicated and hard to set up. Even I'm saying that. But just so I actually recently started using called Streak for Gmail. Streak. Okay. Yeah, S-T-R-A-K, S-T-R-E-A-K, Streak for Gmail. It's kind of a CRM built into Gmail. And it's awesome. You create these deal flows and you can move people around. So I love it. That's really awesome. kind of streak for, for Gmail. I'll have yeah. to check that out. Is it a new, is it a new app? I just heard about it like six months ago. So I started using it, uh, but it's, it's just built straight in. So it's, it's, and there's a free version and that, that works really well. So okay. streak. I love it. I love it. anything that can attach to my Gmail account to make it easier. Exactly. Calendly. Uh, what else is the other one? Zoom, Calendly. There's, there's one more. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boomerang. Uh, where you can, oh, yeah. You know, I have that too. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's another so, good one. So streak. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, what has been the big, in, in sort of in one to two sentences, what has been the biggest failure in your career to date? And it doesn't have to be in real estate um, that you've learned from that is now shaping your, your future. Biggest failure? Um, I think, uh, you know, being such an analytical mind, I think really, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say a specific failure, but just a, a general 
awareness of how my personality is, like <laughs> trying to go from, especially dealing with um, with sellers directly, that idea of just going from, hey, I know you, to I want to buy your property. Going through that process of really building trust, creating a relationship, you know, a rapport with that person has been something that I'm really struggling or have struggled with. So I need to spend. So I guess I've had failures around creating relationships, not spending enough time creating a relationship, going straight to the sale, if you will. Right, sense? right. So the, yeah, yeah, so like hurrying through the courting process, the dating process, getting to know one another, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, mate, um, last question. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to find out a little bit more about your story. Uh, where, do they, where can they go? Yeah, so my email is jens, spelled J-E-N-S, at opendoorscapital.com. Um, and if anybody want to get on a free call to just kind of talk about real estate investing or cycling or anything like that, uh, they can go to opendoorsinvesting.com slash call. We can set up a free call there and, um, you know, just chat about whatever. Awesome, man. Well, look, I want to thank you for, for jumping on the show today. I really want to quickly summarize what I took away from today's show. I think it's that, that, that balance, right? The whole narrative around what you're trying to do now is trying to balance the w2 with being an entrepreneur or changing your mind mindset and in that shift and how you have to be intentional with your with your time uh in order to be successful towards your goals we, we, we spoke a little bit about priorities versus goals i also thinking you know uh anything that's worth doing uh takes time and i exactly. think that is so important for everyone to realize that when you are trying to plates in the air type of thing, it, it, it may take a little bit of time and it's okay, right? Run your own race. Um, and, and, you know, nothing, nothing, that, nothing that you do ever, that is worth doing ever comes easy. I think that was the last takeaway. Yeah. Um, did, did I leave anything out? No, I don't think so. I mean, just, you know, create your future, you know, live the future you want right now and, and just work towards those goals. And that's, that's really what you need to do. Awesome, man. Well, look, thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Reed. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from, from Jens. And if you do want to you know, reach out to Jens and to ask him any questions, please head over to my website at reedgoosens.com. Click on the podcast link and all the, the, the notes from today's show will be up on my website. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day today to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe. And remember, happy investing. investing.